you have your Bible and uh, would like to share the reading of the Scripture with me today, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1, Mark, chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 40. So Mark, chapter 1, verse number 40. And there came a leper unto Jesus, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, if you will, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will. Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly, Jesus straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See that thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest. And offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Go your way, be clean, be healed, and don't say anything to anybody about it. But he began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly Enter into the city, but he was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you would bow your heads and let's pray together. That the Holy Spirit will quicken and enable and help us to minister. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and your mercy to us. We are so thankful this morning, Lord, for all that you have done on our behalf. All that you have done are doing. We are a grateful people. This morning, Lord, I, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak as an instrument in your hand. Help me to be effective in delivering the word that you've laid upon my heart. I pray this morning, Heavenly Father, that you would glorify your name and that you would edify your people. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have felt as we have worshiped and sang, and we ask that same presence be upon the ministering of the word. Put your words in my mind, in my mouth, and in my heart. Let them come forth freely, powerfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Give me unction to function. And we will thank you for it and be grateful for it. And we ask it in your mighty name, Lord. And everybody in agreement said amen. Amen. So I want to title my message this morning that I feel like the Lord has placed upon my heart, Compelling or compelling compassion, compelling compassion. I will begin today by just asking you to allow me to ask you a question. What do you suppose that it was that motivated Jesus to do the ministry that he had here on this earth? What do, you, what do you suppose that it was that motivated him to do the things that he did while he was among us? And while you are thinking of your answer and while you are contemplating that response, let me just tell you that it's not a trick question. It's not a trick question and there is probably more than one answer So the question, let me share with you what I mean. 
We know, first of all, that Jesus was motivated in his ministry because of his mission. How many of you know that Jesus came to do a mission for God the Father? The Bible teaches us, in fact, that when Jesus was just 12 years old, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, that Mary and Joseph had went up to the feast of Passover. <coughs> and when they got ready to leave Jerusalem, Jesus stayed behind and Mary and Joseph were unaware that their 12-year-old boy was not with them. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what that says about their parenting. I don't know. <laughs> How would you like to be the one to tell God that you lost his son? <laughs> right? But at any rate, they suppose the Bible said that he was among the kinfolks or some of their acquaintance, and they went a day's journey away from Jerusalem before they ever realized that he was not there. And turning back, the Bible said that it came to pass after three days, they finally found him in the temple sitting among the doctors and the scholars, and he was asking them questions and answering their questions. And the Bible said that they were all amazed and astounded at his understanding and at his, his uh, wisdom, even at that young age. Mary says to him, how is it that you have dealt thus with us? We have sought you sorrowing for days. And this is what Jesus said. Do you not know? How is it that you sought me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So in other words, we can, we can clearly answer what one of the motives that Jesus, that motivated him to do the things that he did here upon planet Earth was his mission. He was on a mission from his father. We know that he was motivated because of his love for us. The Bible teaches that he had a great love for us and he literally laid down his life so that we might inherit eternal life and that we might have life in this earth, life and that more abundant, the Bible says. He came that we might in, amen, enjoy and inherit an eternal salvation and he was motivated by love to do that. We know that he was motivated by grace because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 17 that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus came into this world to reveal unto us and to bring us unto the amazing grace of God. So if we revisit the question that we began with, what was it that motivated Jesus to do the things that he did on earth in his ministry? We could clearly say that it was his mission. We could say that it was his love. And we could say that it was his marvelous and amazing grace Amen. that motivated him to do the things that he did while he was among us. And yet, I submit to you this morning that our text reveals yet another factor that motivated Jesus to do the things that we read about as he carried out his mission and his ministry upon this earth. Look again, if you will, at verse number 40 and verse number 41. It is part of our text. And there came a leper unto him, an outcast of society. Those who were diagnosed with leprosy were sent away from society. They were made to live in separation in leper colonies. They were physically dying on the bones. He is in a pitiful situation. 
There came a leper unto him, beseeching him. How many know that's a powerful word? Beseeching him. Lord, help me. Oh, God, have mercy upon me. Beseeching him and kneeling before him, saying, If you will, if you only will, you can make me clean. If you only will, you have the power. Amen. I, I, I have no way to help myself. I am helpless and I am hopeless. But if you will, you have the power to make me clean. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And I love verse 41. And Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. What motivated Jesus to say I will? What motivated Jesus? He meant to put forth his hand and touch that which was unclean. What motivated him to do that? He meant he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He was motivated by his compassion. When Jesus saw the leprous man, he meant he was stirred in his heart. He was influenced in his spirit. He was prompted and compelled to react. All because of what he felt down on the inside of his being. Jesus was moved with compassion because he knew this leprous man had hit rock bottom. He was moved with compassion because he knew that this leprous man had no hope at all. He was moved with compassion because he knew that he was in a helpless and a hopeless situation. He knew that he was desperate and doomed and Jesus identified with his problem. He was moved with compassion. He identified with his desperate situation and he was so stirred in his spirit that it moved him to react. That word compassion this morning, as I begin to study for this service today, the Holy Spirit just embedded that word into my heart, compassion. That one little word encompasses so much, and yet we have so little of compassion in this world today. That one little word encompasses so much, and yet that one little word is so desperately lacking in the world that we live in today. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Yes, there are compassionate people, but the world as a whole and the world by and large, amen, or the attribute of compassion seems to be an element that is missing, amen, in the realm of our society today. And even within the realm of the church, I would submit to you that we live in a very compassionless society. How many of you here this morning believe that the majority of the world is compassionate? Well, let me just tell you, we live in a compassionless world. Even within the realm of the church, we have become so programmed by the condition of the world that if we are not mindful we will develop a tendency to think more about ourselves and make everything about us. We are often more concerned with our own convenience than we are with the convenience of others. We are often more concerned with our own needs than we are the needs of those that are around us. 
Instead of having a mindset that says, how can I lighten the load for somebody else? We are more preoccupied with the mindset of me, myself, and I. Instead of being compassionate and having a heart that flows with the love and the compassion of God, we have become selfish and self-centered in our thinking while we push compassion to the back burner of our life. I don't know if that's so, Pastor Gabriel. Let me see if I can give you a couple of examples. Someone is diagnosed with cancer and we feel a level of empathy and we might even say something like, oh, that is a shame. I am so sorry to hear that. What's for supper? Hello? Someone loses a loved one and we're, man, I mean, we're like, oh, that's got to be really rough. That's really hard. That's difficult. Oh, look, Target's having a back to school sale. We move on quickly. Am I, am, I, am I preaching the truth? We have a tendency to move on quickly. We may have a, we may have a momentary, amen, surface empathy. But we move on quickly. We're not moved with compassion. You hear what I'm saying this morning? We may be momentarily touched with empathy, but we certainly are not moved with compassion. But let me just tell you, when bad things happen to someone else, we don't find it difficult to express a certain level of surface empathy for them. But I'll tell you this morning, when it happens and it lands on our own doorstep and it hits a little closer to home, we'll understand what compassion really means. Beloved, one of the things that made Jesus effective in his ministry was his compassion. He was moved, he was compelled, he was motivated by passion. He had a compassion. In fact, it was compassion that caused Jesus to sit down with the sinners and eat. It was compassion that caused Jesus to liberate man from the cold religious legalism of the Pharisees. It was compassion that moved Jesus to minister to the healing of those who were sick and afflicted. It was compassion that caused him to feed the multitudes uh, amen. You remember they had been with him for three days and the disciples said, send them away. And Jesus said, I can't send them away unless I give them something to eat. They'll faint along the way. And he was moved with compassion. And that's why he fed the multitude. It was compassion that moved him to restore the sight to the blind of those men in Jericho. It was compassion that caused him to reach out and touch this leper and make him clean. It was compassion that moved Jesus to raise the widow woman of Nain's son. Amen. She was preparing for a funeral and Jesus turned the funeral into a parade. It was his compassion that raised Lazarus from the dead. You can read about it in John chapter 11, verse number 33. The Bible said that when Jesus saw Mary and Martha weeping and he saw the Jews weeping, the Bible said that he came to the tomb and the word of God said, and he groaned within himself. What groaned? It was his compassion. His compassion moved him. Hmm. What I want us to see today and what I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today is that in order to see the miracle working power of God in our lives today, in order to be effective in ministry today, and ministering to the needs of others. And if we desire to see the miracles and the working power of God today, then we must be motivated by compassion. 
It was the compassion of Christ that motivated him to meet the needs of others. Before every great miracle of Jesus, before every great move of God, there was a release of divine compassion. Amen. How do we expect to be effective in reaching the lost without having a compassionate heart? How do we expect to be able to minister to those that are hurting and those that have been discouraged and those that have been ostracized and pushed aside? How can we minister to the hurting world if we ourselves are not filled with a compassion of the Lord? Jesus identified with their hurting heart. He identified with their situation. He identified with their need. And he was moved by compassion. He was moved by compassion. Here's what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 says. Says that we have not, we do not have, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What does that mean, Pastor Gary? It means that he's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows how we feel. He's been touched. He's had compassion for our need. He knows how we feel when we have been rejected and despised. He knows how we feel when we have been ostracized and detested. He knows how we feel when we are hurting and when we are lonely. He knows how we feel when we are discouraged and when we are disappointed. He knows how we feel because he himself has been touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And my question for all of us this morning, the question that I feel like the Holy Spirit has sent me here to ask you is, are we like Christ? Are we touched by the infirmities of others? Not just on the surface, but are we moved? with compassion are we moved with compassion are we touched uh, amen by the feeling of the infirmities of others or have we pushed uh, compassion to the back door of our heart uh, and we are just living for number one uh, do we despise the afflicted loathe the godless feed the needy and avoid the helpless or are we motivated by a compelling compassion born out of the heart of God? Jesus shared a story in Luke's gospel chapter 10. It's a very familiar story. A lawyer stands up and says to him, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, you know the law, you know what is written, love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do these and you shall live. The Bible said that the lawyer willing to be justified said to him, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus didn't launch into a long theological debate about who his neighbor was. He just simply told him a little story. He said, here, check this out. You'll be able to identify who your neighbor is. He said, there was a man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And they stripped him of his clothing and they wounded him and they left him bleeding and dying. They robbed him and left him half dead on the road to Jericho. And Jesus said, and by and by a priest came down that way, saw the man in his need saw the man laying on the side of the road and decided, I don't want to be involved. 
I don't want anything to do with it. I got other stuff. I got other fish to fry. I got other stuff I got to take care of. And so he passed by the wounded man and just kept right on walking. And Jesus said, a Levite came down. How many of you know both the priest and the Levite are supposed to be part of the temple work, right? Priest and the Levite. Levite comes by, sees the man, sees the need, and determines, I don't want to get involved. Doesn't that sound like many of us today? I don't want to be involved. It might cost me something. It might cost me some of my time. It might cost me see, some of my precious greenback. It might cost me some. I don't want to be involved. But the Bible said that a Samaritan came by and had compassion upon him. Now understand when Jesus was talking about the priest and the Levite passing by on the other side. When he said, and a Samaritan came down the same way. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They hated them. That's a, that's a strong, they disliked them. They despised them. And when Jesus said, and a Samaritan came by, I'm sure that all of the hair on the back of the neck of all of those Jewish listeners went, bristled at the thought Jesus said a Samaritan came by and went to him and took the time, his own time, to bind up the wounds and pour in oil and wine. Set him upon his own beast. Said, I'll walk from here, you can ride. Took him to the inn, paid the innkeeper, said, here's his stay. Amen. And I got to go away, but I'm coming back this way. And if you spend anything else while I'm gone taking care of him, you put it on my bill and I'll take care of it when I get back. And Jesus said to the lawyer, whom among these three men do you think was neighborly toward the man that fell among the thieves. And the lawyer said, he that showed mercy. And listen what Jesus says. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. The Samaritan had compassion and in the end of the little story, Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. Let me just tell you this morning, compassion, having compassion is not a suggestion. It's not just an instruction. It is a commandment of the Lord. Go and do likewise. Don't get so involved in your own thing and your own self that you can't see the need of somebody else and be willing to reach out to them and be willing to reach out to their need and be willing to help them along the way. I came to tell somebody today, if we want to see the power of God move and we want to see the miracle working power of God, then let's do what motivated Jesus. Let's allow compassion amen, to rule in our hearts and when we allow compassion to rule, compassion will motivate us to move. Hmm. Go and do likewise. Pastor Gary, how do we go and do likewise? I have three simple little steps. The first step, every single time in the scripture, every single time, time in the scripture that Jesus was moved with compassion this took place first every situation Jesus first saw the need the first step for us to operate in compassion is see the need recognize the need that's where compassion begins. Real compassion sees the need. Real compassion takes the time to see the need. 
Real compassion looks beyond the faults of others and looks beyond the faults of the people and looks beyond the failures and the inadequacies of their life. And real compassion doesn't look on the exterior. Real compassion looks on the inside at the heart. Amen. And if we're going to operate in compassion, then we have first got to be able to see the need. Take the time to realize that there are those around us in our everyday life that are hurting and that are needy. In 1973, Princeton Theological Seminary did a little research with a group of seminary students. A group of theology students was told that they were to go across campus and deliver a message, amen, across campus. And the sermon that they were to deliver were to deliver was on the topic of the Good Samaritan. As part of the research, some of the students were told that they were late and they needed to hurry. Along their route across the campus, unknown to the students, the researchers had hired an actor. To have a coughing fit, choking, someone that was suffering, someone that was hurting. Now, understand, these are seminary students. These are FPA, not FFA, but FPA, Future Preachers of America. And they're going across campus to deliver a sermon on the Good Samaritan. And along the way, they encounter someone who is in need, suffering. And guess what? 90% of the students stepped over the suffering individual to get across campus. 90%. The study stated that on several occasions, seminary students going to give their talk on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the person in need and hurried on their way. Now we might shake our head, but I just got to tell you, sometimes that's us. Hello? Sometimes we are in such a hurry that we don't even see the need. Sometimes we get so set on our agenda that we don't see the needs of others. I confess, as a pastor, it makes me wonder, what needs am I overlooking? There are those this morning that have needs all around us. Can I give you something that we ought to pray every day? Lord, help me see the needs of others the way you see the needs. Help me to see the lost and the broken of this world and those that are hurting and those uh, that have been misused and those that have been abused. Help me to see the need as you see the need. The first step to compelling compassion is to see the need. And the second step is to feel the need. Not just on the surface. Not with just a surface empathy. But when we see the need, Lord, help us to take the second step and feel the need. What do you mean, Pastor Gary, feel the need? The word compassion that is used in the Bible, amen, it means to be moved inwardly, to yearn with tender mercy, to have an affection and a passion. Literally, it means to be moved in the inner organs. It's not just a surface kind of empathy or a surface kind of feeling. It literally means to be moved on the inside. A common modern term would be from the bottom of my heart. From the bottom of my heart. 
moved with compassion. Someone defined compassion as sympathy coupled with a desire to help. Sympathy means the capacity to share feelings and enter into the same feelings. Uh, amen. Or to feel the same thing that someone else feels. So compassion could literally mean sharing the same feelings of others and possessing a desire to help in their time of trouble. Being so moved that we are motivated to do something about it. When the Bible talks about Jesus being moved with compassion, it wasn't just a surface feeling. Jesus was moved with compassion and he felt it all the way to the core of his being. All the way to the core of his being. On August the 31st, 2005, I want to read this to you. A FEMA regional director emailed his superior at the head of the FEMA agency regarding the situation in New Orleans following Hurricane Katrina. And he wrote, and I will quote, Sir, I know that you are aware the situation is past critical. Here are some things you might not know. Hotels are kicking people out. Thousands are gathering in the streets with no water and no food. Hundreds are still being rescued from their homes. There are patients that are dying at the DMAT the disaster medical assistant team. Estimates are that they will die within hours. Accusations are in process. Plans develop to evacuate the dome, but the hotel situation is adding to the problem. We are out of food. We are running out of water at the dome, and the plan that we have in place is at a critical moment. FEMA staff is holding up okay. DMAT staff working under deplorable conditions. Phone connectivity is absolutely impossible. End quote. And the national director of the FEMA organization responded to that email by saying, thanks for the update. Anything specific that I need to do or tweak? I don't know about you, but I don't sense very much compassion. Hello? I, no wonder President Bush fired him. <laughs> That's a true story. Listen, this is what Jesus said to the crowds, uh, or because of the crowds in Matthew chapter 9. He said uh, that he had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. And we read those words in our Bible today and our attitude says nothing but thanks for the update. Anything that we need to do or tweak. Hello? I might have ducked to preach that part. What I'm saying this morning is we have to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to move us with compassion. Can I tell you why sometimes we go through trials and go through tribulations and go through circumstances in our life? You know why God allows that? So that we will be more compassionate to those that we run into that are going through the same thing. Some of you have been through hell and high water because God intends to use that to bring an amount of passion in your life. So that you will have a compassionate heart when you see someone else going through the same thing. Compassion starts with seeing the need, feeling the need, not just on the surface, but being moved in your inner being to the point where you are willing to take step three. Step three is respond to the need. 
See the need. Feel the need. Respond to the need. Do something. Don't just see the need and then pass by on the other side. Don't just see the need and go the other way. Don't just see the need and say somebody else can take care of it. Don't just see the need and move on unaffected by it. See the need, feel the need, and respond. Lord, I may not be able to do much, but whatever I have, everything that I am, everything that I've got, I'll do whatever I can to make a difference. Pastor Gary, I, I, I don't have much. I can't do much. Let me just share something with you. God's not asking all of us to do a great thing. God's asking us to do our part. And when you put your part together and 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 my part together, it becomes a great deal. Do you remember when Jesus fed the multitude? Amen. They came to him and said, all we have is a few fish and a few loaves. Jesus said, that's enough. Tell everybody to sit down in companies of 50. And he took what they gave him. All it was was five loaves and two fish. And he took what they gave him and he he blessed it and then he break it and then he multiplied it. That's what God will do with what we give him. He'll take it, he'll bless it and... He'll multiply it. You may not have a lot, but do your part. Don't just see the need and pass by on the other side. Mm. Let me just tell you, when God took that, break it, blessed it and break it and multiply, he gave it back to the disciples and it was more than enough. It was more than enough. The Bible said that they even took up 12 baskets full when it was over. Let, let me share something with you that I don't know if you've ever known or ever seen. But when, when the disciples told him, we have just a small basket, a lunch basket, just, it was just a small basket. It, it literally, in the Greek, it means a small lunch-sized basket. At the end of that story... When the scripture says, and they took up 12 baskets full, the word in the Greek is a different word for the word basket. How many of you remember when they let Paul down outside the wall of the city in a basket? Same basket. Amen. That 12 baskets that they, that they filled up, they were baskets that were large enough to hold a man. They weren't little baskets. They were big baskets. I'm telling you, when, when God, amen, moves upon our heart, do your part, respond. And when, when God takes all of that into account, he takes it, he blesses it, he multiplies it, and he meets the need. And I'll tell you something this morning. When we take care of the need of the people that are on God's mind, God will take care of us. Amen. When we take care of the need of the people that are on God's mind, God will take care of us. Someone said to me the other day, and I found it ironic because I was preparing notes for this sermon, but someone said to me the other day, sometimes I would like to ask God why he allows famine and poverty and injustice when he could do something about it. And my response was, I'm afraid to ask because God might ask me and you the same question. Why do we allow it? God has done something to alleviate suffering in this world. He sent Jesus into our pain. And then Jesus in turn sent us to be his hands and his feet in this world. You are his hand extended. That is the power of the cross in action. 
we have been set free that we, we might freely we have received him. We need to freely give. We have been set free and we need to freely give that freedom to others. Amen. The, the question that I came to ask you this morning as I begin to close is what have we done with a compassionate heart? What have we done with a compassionate heart? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12, this is the American Standard Version. The Bible says, put on, put on, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion. Put on kindness, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering. But the first thing that he lists is a heart of compassion. Compassion is needed in our world today. Compassion is needed in our lives today. See the need, feel the need, and respond to the need my question to you this morning is how much compassion do you have for the lost? Enough to tell them about Jesus? Some of us have neighbors that we've never witnessed to. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, right? Some of us have neighbors we've never even testified about Jesus to them. Where's our compassion? How much compassion do we have for other believers? Enough to share their burdens? Enough to come alongside and say, how can I help and mean it? Huh. Hello? Let me remind you as I close this morning that Jesus had so much compassion for us that he took upon himself the sins of the world. And he willingly stretched out his arms on the cross and died in our place so that all that believe in him would not perish but have life everlasting. That's compassion. That's compelling compassion. Bow your heads, if you will, this morning all over the building. Where, where is our compassion? Are we a compassionate people as we should be? Do we see the need and pass by on the other side and look the other way? Maybe we're like the seminary student. We see the need, but we're in a hurry. We have other things to do. We are so busy. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our agenda that we never even recognize the need. The seminary student is on his way to preach a message about the Good Samaritan and yet he's so wrapped up in his own thing that he fails to see the need that God has placed right in front of him. Is that us? We become so busy with life and so busy with our own plans and so busy with our thing that we never even see the need. Maybe we're like the priest and the Levite. We see the need, but we don't want to get involved. We pass by on the other side. God doesn't need me. God can use someone else. Let me just tell you, if God showed it to you, he wants to use you. Maybe we see the need, but we just don't feel the need. It just doesn't move us. It doesn't move us like it should move us. Jesus saw the hurting and those that were in need and he groaned 
within himself. He was moved with compassion. I promise you when you see the move, when you see the need and you feel the need to the point of being moved in your spirit, you will respond. If we're not responding, it's because we're not feeling. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the building this morning. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I have delivered the message that you have placed upon my heart. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do with it what you will. I believe, Lord, that you have spoke to us this morning about challenging us to operate with a compassionate spirit, a compassionate heart like God, who sees the need, feels the need, and longs to be involved. Let that be us. We are the children of our God. Let that be our MO. See the need, feel the need, and respond to the need. Speak to our hearts here this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I ask. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here today and you would be willing to just slip up a hand and say, Pastor Gary, I haven't been operating with much compassion in my life. Yeah, God sees that hand and that hand and that hand and there and there and there. Are there any others? Pastor Gary, I needed to hear this word today. It challenged my spirit. God bless you. God bless you, you and you. God sees all of these hands this morning. Will you please stand to your feet and let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for receptive hearts. Lord, we have lifted hands acknowledging that there has been a lack of compassion operating in our life. Correct that in us today. Where there are calluses, bring a balm or a salve or a lotion or whatever you want to call it of the Holy Spirit that softens the calluses. That gives us a heart that feels and longs to be a help. Give us a heart that is filled with the compassion of our God that we may be the children of the Most High. Touch our lives this morning. Lord, let us do not leave like we came. Let us leave changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord we pray.